I want you to open your Bible this morning to the 16th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 16 and find verse 13. I've read this passage, this passage many times before, but I've never seen the chronology, how it one truth leads to another truth, which leads to another truth. They're absolutely build on each other. You'll be familiar with these, uh, with these scriptures. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Truth. It is no accident that Satan is called a liar and the father of lies. Because it is lies that deceive and lead people down a path of destruction. But on the other hand, Listen to what it says about Jesus. He said, I am the truth. John 14, 6. In John chapter 1, listen to what it says about Jesus. It said, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the truth. Everything he spoke is the truth. And this book, the Bible, the word of God is truth. It does not contain truth. It is truth. And I love what Hebrews 4.13 says about the Bible. The word of God, truth, is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll divide asunder what's in your soul or in your spirit, your joints and your marrow. And the word of God will discern the thoughts and intentions of your heart. It was Jesus said to those Jews that believed in him, If you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And listen to what he said. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now, three truths this morning. Three eternal truths that I'm going to read to you from the word of God. If they are believed and obeyed, they will absolutely set you free. But if they are refused... It comes to the question is that Jesus asked, what will you give in exchange for your soul? The first truth I want you to notice is in Matthew 16, and I want you to look at verse 13. It's life's most important question. Here's a great, great, you know this, you've heard it, but it is life's most important question. The disciples had been following Jesus. They'd been listening to Jesus. They'd seen the miracles that he had performed. And, and it just came to the point in their life that Jesus asked them this question in Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He said, let me ask y'all something. Who do people say I am? What are you hearing? Who do they say I am? And they they replied, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. Hey, people had certainly put Jesus in good company. (laughs) Isaiah, Jeremiah, John the Baptist. But then Jesus made it personal. He asked him this question. But who do you say that I am? Now, that's a good question. You can say, well, I wonder what people think about Jesus Christ. I wonder what the people in my office or my neighbors or people that I work with, I I wonder who they believe Jesus is. That's okay. But you see, it's a personal question 
that every one of us has to answer. And it is a life-changing question. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And do you know your eternal destiny depends on the answer to that question? Because if you make the wrong answer, you can go no further. So he asked the question, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. No questions, no doubt, Jesus, you're the Messiah that was prophesied in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. You're the Messiah that was seen in the Passover. You are the Lamb of God. I am telling you, Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Notice what Jesus said to him. Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. God's asking you the question, who do you believe Jesus is? If your answer is he's the Christ, the son of the living God, it affects every choice in your life. It affects the direction of your life. It affects what you do with your life. I am telling you, once you realize that Jesus is God, once you know Jesus is God manifest in the flesh, once you know he is the divinely appointed Messiah, once you know he is Emmanuel, God with us, once you know that, then you have got, you cannot avoid it. You are going to have to make decisions in your life based upon the truth. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. So the first truth is a big question you've got to answer. Who do you believe Jesus is? But Now, I want you to notice the second truth, and it's built on the first question. It's what I call the mystery of the gospel. I want you to look in verse 21. Now, listen, Peter had just said, you're the son of God. You're the Messiah. You're the one. Well, so Jesus said, okay, now let me tell you how, let me tell you about the gospel. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. And it absolutely, I know, blew their mind. Because, listen, he's the Christ. He's the Messiah. And, and they could see him establishing a world order. They could see him revolution, turning a revolution against Rome. In their minds, what all does this mean? This is God manifest in the flesh. But Jesus said, now, let me tell you my plan and the Father's plan for me. And I want to tell you something. It's an unusual plan. In verse 21. From that time, once they confessed that he was the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised from the dead the third day. No more had they confessed that he was the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He said, all right, now I'm going to give you the mystery of the gospel. And the mystery is a spiritual truth that God's revealed. Here's God's plan. I am going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to mock me. They're going to betray me. They're going to beat me. They're going to pull my beard out. They're going to spit in my face. And I am going to go to the cross. And I'm going to die. And the third day I'm going to rise again. I guarantee they didn't want to hear that. They wanted to say, man, we've left everything to follow Jesus. And man, we're going to usher, he's going to usher in a kingdom and we're going to be right there with him. And I wonder, like the sons of Zebedee's mother said, which one's going to be on your right hand and which one's going to be on your left? Jesus said, no, you don't understand. I'm going to die. 
I'm going to die on a cross. But they didn't seem to get the other part. On the third day, I'm going to rise again. Let me tell you about the gospel. It is offensive to lost people. The Bible says the preaching of the gospel is to those that are perish foolishness. The Bible says the cross is an offense. You, listen, you think it wasn't an offense to them? Look at what Peter does. Look at the next verse. He's the one who just said he was the Christ, the son of the living God. And now Jesus said, okay, you're right. And I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die and I'm going to suffer. It's going to be humiliating. But I'm telling you, God's going to raise me in from, from the dead. And in my death, you're going to live. But listen, that cuts across the flesh. Listen to what Peter said. Then Peter took him aside. Now, can you get this? Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. Peter didn't know it, but he was trying to stand in the way of the only way a person could ever be saved. The only way you and I could ever be saved was for Jesus Christ to go to the cross, die in our place, and shed his precious blood. And Jesus had just told them that this is the way, it's God's plan. And Peter just took him aside and said, no, no, that's not the way. That, listen, you're going to reign in power on this earth. You're going to establish an earthly kingdom. You, you, that's not, that's not, you can't do that. That's not God's plan. Far be it from you, Lord, it shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Wow. The same one that had just confessed that he was the Christ, the son of the living God, revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Now is trying to say, Jesus, no, you're not going to go to the cross. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me, for you're not mindful of the things of God, but you're mindful of the things of men. I want to tell you, when you start telling lost people, when you start telling the world, God's plan of redemption was that his son would be mocked and suffer and be crucified and shed his blood, die uh, between two criminals when you start telling them about the cross and that the only way they'll ever be forgiven is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ their flesh cries out and said no that can't be that can't be there's got to be something great I can do to get to heaven there's got to be something I can do to earn my salvation hey are you telling me that the only way I can be saved is through the blood of the cross I don't like that I don't like that that means I've got to humble myself and admit I'm a sinner and realize that salvation is not by by my good works it's only by the cross and the flesh says the bible says the preaching that the cross is an offense to people and it was to peter but then jesus keeps going they confessed who he was jesus told them how they weren't going to be saved and how he was going to establish his kingdom and how the men and women were going to come to know jesus and it was through his death and through his resurrection but then he confronts them with a tremendous choice. And he talks to them about the worth of their soul. Now, I want you to listen. Now, let me say this. If you answer the first question right, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, then you come to the second one and say, I do realize, Pastor, that it was through his death. He had to suffer. He had to die. He had to take my place. He had to shed his blood. As horrible and awful as the cross was, that was God's way for my sins to be paid for and to punish. You say, I, I embrace the fact that that, and yes, God raised him from the dead. But then he confronted them with the life's greatest choice. I want you to listen to it. Then Jesus said to his disciples, 
If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, if you believe I, who you are who I said I was, if you believe I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God, and if you believe it's God's plan for me to suffer and die on the cross for you and b- provide your redemption, he said, then let me tell you something. If you're going to follow me, you've got to deny yourself, take your place on the cross, and come and follow me. He said, I'm going to warn you. If you desire to save your life, if you, if, if you desire to li- live for yourself, if you desire to save your life, to go your own way, live your own life, and do your own thing, if you desire to save your life, you're going to lose it. You're not ever, ever going to live. But if you will lose your life for my sake, you will find it. And then he said, I know that's a hard, a hard thing. I know what I just said. That if you're going to follow me, you've got to take your place in death, and you've got to die, and then you've got to take, you've got to come on and follow me. And, and if you try to live for yourself, you, you know, you're going to miss it all. But if you'll just lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. And then he said, I know you, you're weighing it, but I want to live for myself. I want to do my own thing. And then he said, but what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And loses his own soul. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And I got to thinking about that last sentence. What will a person give in exchange for your soul? What is the price that you put on your soul? Have you ever heard this? Every man has his price. Every woman has their price. Every, do- every person does. But Jesus had said, now, you know who I am, and you know I'm going to suffer and die. Now, you've got to make a choice. Deny yourself. Take your place in death. Come and follow me. Now, if you choose not to do that, if you choose to save your life, he said, you're going to lose it. But if you'll just let go of your life, you're going to find it. He said, let me ask you this question. What if you choose your own life? What if you go your own way? What will it profit you if you gain the whole world? And lose your soul. What price have you got on your soul? I got to thinking of the the value of one soul. What will you give in exchange for your soul? Do you realize how valuable your soul is? Now, let, let me say what I mean by your soul. It's your mind thinking. It's your emotions feeling. It is your will choosing. It's not nebulous. Thinking, feeling, and choosing. That's your soul. Your spirit lives in your body and your soul, and your spirit, when he's living in you, operates through your soul. And you never are to be controlled by your body or your soul. It was God's plan for his spirit to live in our spirit and our soul and body to be controlled by the spirit. But your soul's eternal. It's eternal. So, I mean, I want to ask you a question. What price do you put on your soul? I mean, do you have a price? You say, well, I'm going to live for myself. Okay. If you gain the whole world and lose your own soul, you've lost. So you're telling me you have a price for your soul. I got to thinking about why one soul is so valuable. One soul is so valuable. 
I said, Lord, why, why, why is the soul of a man or woman so valuable? Why is it, Lord? He said, well, first of all, because they're created in my image. You see, you, you know, let me tell you one thing about evolution. Can I tell you the whole thing about evolution? It's a flat-out lie. That's exactly what it is. You're not a higher form of animal. You're not part of an evolutionary process. I am telling you, God distinctly created every human being in his image. And he said in Genesis 1.26, this is the value of your soul. This is what, why you need to weigh what price you have on your soul. Jesus said, the, the, God said, let us make man in our image. Boy, that's valuable. Let's make man in our image after our likeness. Male and female, he created them. And God said, let them have, uh, let's make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air. Let me tell you the value of your soul. God created you and every person in his image. He created you to extend his life, his image. He created you to express his character, his likeness, and he created you to exhibit his power. Why is every human being valuable to Almighty God? Why did God put such a price on the human soul? Because we are created in the image of God. And Jesus said, what does it profit you if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? What will you give in exchange for your soul? The value of one soul were created in the image of God. But there's another reason. Your soul is so valuable to God. If you ever question that you have value, you know, the devil loves to beat you down. You're just a piece of junk. You're just a, a, a mistake. You're just a misfit. You don't matter. I mean, you know, you live and die and that's it. Let me tell you something. That's not true. I mean, you have an eternal soul. That is unbelievably valuable to God because he created you in his image. But secondly, any question you might have of the value of your soul is the price that Jesus paid so your soul could be redeemed. Oh, do you understand the price that Jesus paid so your soul could be redeemed, so you could be saved? Listen, if you ever question how valuable your soul is to God, then just go with me back to the cross and understand the price Jesus paid for your soul. Do you understand? I, I, Peter made it so absolutely clear. I mean, he made it unmistakably clear in, in the first chapter of First Peter when, when, when he said, uh, verse 18, he said, For you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. But you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot and finish. Uh, now we're talking about the value of your soul. How one soul is worth more than the world. And how that because we're created in the image of God, that's where our soul gets value. But then we go on a little further and realize that the price Jesus paid for our soul. And the word redeem there means to purchase. Please understand, redeem means to purchase. It means to buy back. So he says, now let me tell you about your soul. For you were redeemed, purchased, not with corruptible things like silver and gold. I mean, hey, he said, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Now, is that value that Jesus would shed his blood for your soul, for your soul? Now, you talk about value. 
How could you ever doubt the value of your soul? He says, you were not bought with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot and blemish. And then you go into the same book of First Peter, and you look in the second chapter, and you look at verse 24, and it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. And by his stripes we are healed. Do you understand the value of your soul? Jesus himself bore your sins in his body on the cross. You talk about the value of your soul. The son of God. God manifest in the flesh. Purchased you with his own blood. Bore your sins in his body on the cross. And the Bible says in the third chapter of 1 Peter, he died the just for the unjust. That's who, what Jesus did. He died the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. Don't tell me your soul is not valuable. I'm telling you it was so valuable that the Son of God went to the cross and suffered and died so that your soul could be eternally saved. Oh, the value of one soul created in the image of God, purchased and paid for, by the blood of Christ on the cross. You know the words of Jesus tell you how valuable your soul are, is. Let me just tell you this little verse. It's found over in Matthew. And it's um, verse 10, verse 27. Listen. Jesus said, do not fear the person that can kill your body. Don't fear them. But I tell you, fear God. Who can destroy both your body and your soul in hell? Jesus said, your soul's valuable. Don't fear anybody that could just kill your body. If you're saved, all you're going to do is go to heaven. He said, I'll tell you what you better fear. You better fear the one who has the power over to destroy your body and your soul in a place called hell. You see, who, who are you? Who do you say I am? Well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, you're right. He said, but let me tell you, I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to die in your place, and I'm going to shed my blood so that through my death you can be saved, and God's going to raise me from the dead. He said, now, you've got a decision to make. If you're going to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. If you seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you'll just let go of your life, and you'll let me come and take control of your life, he said, you'll find it. But I want you to understand the consequences. The consequences, if you choose to you live to live for yourself, the consequences are what shall it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul he said now I want to ask you what will you give in exchange for your soul is any sin more valuable than your soul is living for yourself and going your own way for a short brief time on this earth is it more valuable than your soul what shall you give in exchange for for your soul. The value of the soul is seen in the fact that we're created in the image of God and the price that Jesus paid. Let me tell you what a lot of people think. I love this. When God showed me this this week, I just got excited. You say, well, Brother Fred, I I can understand the value of a human soul. Here's a person that was born into a nice family. They got a good education. They lived a nice and respectable life. They achieved certain things in life. 
You know, I could understand for a person who had a good beginning and seems to have some worth and some significance in their life. Well, I could understand that their soul is valuable and that Jesus would go to the cross for them. But you know, Brother Fred, you don't know me. My soul's not worth very much. You see, I I didn't start out right, and I haven't done too well. And I'll just be honest with you, it's a royal mess. I I, I know some people, I, I feel sure their soul's valuable, but I'm not. And then God reminded me of two verses, and he reminded me of a story. Over in Romans chapter 5, now I want you to listen to this, verses 6 and following. He said, for when we were still without strength, nothing to offer. When we were still without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. Woo! You mean I was without strength and Christ died for the ungodly? Yes. Then he said, now listen to this. That thinking, well, you know, I can understand a nice, respectable person that kind of got it together, that their soul's valuable, but not me. Jesus said, scarcely, I mean, Paul said, scarcely for a righteous man would, uh, scarcely for a good, uh, perhaps for a good man one might die. Perhaps for a righteous man one may die. He said, oh, I can understand. Hey, here's a good man and a righteous man. I can understand maybe somebody might die for him, but God commended his love toward us. In that while we were still sinners, we weren't godly, we weren't righteous, we weren't respectable, we didn't have a good family tree, but God commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Did you know the, the worst sinner there is, his soul is valuable to God. I'm telling you, the most wicked person you know. Can I show you why I know that? This is my favorite story of Jesus' redemption. The Bible says he was on, it was, uh, uh, took a uh, trip across the lake. And he came to the country of the Gadarenes. And it just so happened that the boat landed at a cemetery. And guess what? There was a man who lived in that cemetery. His name was, they called him Legion. And so here this man in the cemetery, and, 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 and in the night hours, let me tell you what this guy would do. <laughs> he would scream and cry out in the cemetery in the night hours and cut himself with stones. They had tried to apprehend him because they said, this boy is out of control. But you know, he had unusual power. He broke the shackles that they put on his arms. He's called the Gadarene demoniac. And when Jesus, the boat landed, he comes down and runs to the shore and says, oh, he says he's going to worship him. He said, son of God, don't torment me. The demons in him were speaking to Jesus. Don't torment me. Don't torment me. And Jesus spoke to the unclean spirit when told him to come out of the man. And in fact, he said, what's your name? He says, Legion. He said, there are many demon spirits in me. I want to tell you, this guy, he didn't come from a respectable family. He wasn't well educated. I mean, he, he didn't have, he was not a, on a who's who in the top ten. I'm just telling you, this guy had trouble, right? But Jesus cast the unclean spirit out of him. And the Bible says that he cast him into the pigs that were there, and they ran down the hill and all went into the water. But then I love this picture. 
People from outside the town came back and they weren't concerned about this man's soul because his soul couldn't be worth anything. He was nothing but a crazy man in the tombs. He couldn't be worth anything. They were more concerned about the pigs than they were the man. Well, why in the world did you cause our pigs to run down there and get killed? But let me tell you about the man. He said he was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Read man Mark 5. And there he was sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed and in his right mind. Are you telling me that Jesus doesn't care about every soul? Then you don't understand the heart of God. But the question is, what would you sell your soul for? Is what you're living for and what you're doing and what you're investing your life in, is it worth your eternal soul? My heavens, A a few years of fleeting pleasure for an eternity separated from God. Jesus said, now you seek to save your life. You're going to lose it. It's only when you let it go and let me have it that you're going to live. He said, I want to ask you something. Are you willing to sell your soul for something that empty and meaningless? I got to thinking about this. The price of your soul. How worth, much worth your soul is to God. And I heard this. Um, I think I heard Brother Ed say this years ago. I never forgot it. He's talking about the cross. Okay, let me show you how valuable your soul is. You know, on the cross, Jesus cried, I thirst. You know, he was hanging there dying. He said, I thirst. And did you know that Jesus cried, I thirst? So you would never have to spend eternity in hell. And cry, I thirst. Do you rise and on the cross Jesus cried, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you realize that Jesus Christ on the cross, your soul was so valuable to him that he was forsaken by God. So you'd never have to spend eternity in hell, a God forsaken place and cry through eternity. God, why have you forsaken me? That's how valuable your soul is. Do you realize that, that Jesus Christ not only was Uh, separated from his father not only did he thirst do you realize that Jesus Christ it was it was it was the middle of the day and it got as dark as midnight it got as dark as midnight and there in the pitch black darkness Jesus hung on the cross and died for our sins because our soul was so valuable to God and you know the truth is that Jesus died in the darkness so you'd never have to spend eternity in hell in the darkness If you ever wonder about the value of your soul, he thirsted, he was forsaken, he suffered, and he died in the darkness so that your soul could not thirst and not be separated and not dwell in eternal darkness. The question is, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What price for your soul? What price? You say, well, I just decide I just want to live for myself. I just want to do my own thing. I'll take my chances. Well, what is it going to profit you if you gain the whole world and you lose your own soul? What will you give in exchange for your soul?